is your host Shamana Kalamangalam. For a tile installation to last a long time, you not only need good tile and a good installer, but also products that pay attention to details. Some of the products are not seen but do their part and ensure a successful installation. I'm not talking about adhesives and grouts, but trims, profiles, movement joints, etc. Why are they so important for a successful and a long-lasting tile install? Is it cumbersome and complicated to incorporate them in your design? Is it expensive and where is it available? To answer these questions, let's talk to an expert in the field of trims, profiles and other accessories. She has been in the field of profiles for over 11 years, keeping abreast with innovations and has been educating architects, designers, engineers and industry professionals. An active member with Construction Specification Canada and TT Mac. Let me welcome Joanna Tiffin, the National Architectural and Design Manager of Canada for Schluter Systems. Welcome to the show, Joanna. Thank you so much for inviting me, Shimana. I'm honored to be here today. Can you briefly introduce Schluter Systems? Absolutely, I would love to. So, Schluter Systems is a manufacturing company based in Iserlohn, Germany. And it's kind of an interesting story. So Mr. Schluter, the founder of the company, uh, was born and raised and uh, working in Iserlohn, Germany. Uh, in 1966, founded our manufacturing company. And the reason for this was he was unhappy with product offerings available on the market. So Mr. Schluter developed a product that would not only revolutionize his own work as a tile setter, but the industry as a whole. He developed our sheen profile, which is an L-shaped metal profile designed to prevent tile edges from chipping. And the company has evolved into a global organization with seven subsidiaries and 1,100 employees at today's uh, present count. Mr. Schluter led the company's evolution with a portfolio of products designed to protect the integrity of tile and stone installations from all angles. So from underneath, from around the perimeters, from transition, so from higher to lower, and within large expanses of tile. So the Schluter line of products now consists of about 10,000 different product items. That's amazing for a person to have started off way out in Europe. Now, you do have a facility here in North America, don't you? We do. Actually, we just opened a brand new facility in Dallas, Texas, Mm -hmm. uh, but we also have facilities in Plattsburgh, New York, uh, in Montreal, Quebec, and in Reno, Nevada. Oh, perfect. So, Schluter is very much in your neighborhood, you can say, through your dealers or through your network of dealers and uh, distributors, I guess. Absolutely. So we are the manufacturer. So we sell to local distribution um, in all provinces and states. Mm -hmm. And the local distribution will provide product to all of the local dealerships. So product is accessible pretty much everywhere you are in North America uh, very easily. Well, that's very good to know. I know that DITRA is one of the products that's quite popular from the Schluter stable of products. What is it 
and how is it used in tile installation? Deetra is probably one of the products that I feel um, the most pride uh, when representing. Deetra to me is um, sort of where true Schluters set itself apart. So um, for anybody who's familiar with tile and stone installations um, in the past, so if you go to Europe and you wander through these beautiful old cathedrals and you look at the, the, the stone in the floor, you'll notice that there's no cracks uh, in the grout lines and there's no cracks across the tile. They're just simply worn from all of the foot traffic over all of the thousands of years since they've been installed. Um, and you sort of have to take a step back and look at, well, what method were they using there and why is it so successful that it's lasting thousands of years? Well, the method that they used was this called a ta tamped sand method or a sand strata method. Uh, so basically what that means is they used a layer of concrete and a layer of sand and then a bond coat in which they pounded the this tile or stone into. And this was an excellent installation because the sand in the center prevented any stress transfer from coming up through to the tile and stone layer. The problem with the method, if we think about it, um, you know, take it out of Europe and bring it here to North America and for today's methods in construction is it's extremely labor intensive, very heavy, obviously very thick, uh, just isn't possible with our construction that we do here in North America. So what Mr. Schluter did was he developed a product that would mimic that functionality, but it would be thin, lightweight and easy to install. This is the birth of Dietra. So DITRA is an uncoupling system, and what it does is it prevents the stress transfer from the substrate, whatever it is, to transfer up through to the tile and stone layer. So it prevents tile from cracking, grout from cracking, tile from delaminating. And um, the configuration is uh, basically polyethylene with a polypropylene fiber and a dovetail configuration. So it's a fully bonded system and there is a void space within the configuration of the product that absorbs that stress transfer and, and prevents it from affecting the tile and stone layer on the surface. In addition to that uh, uncoupling functionality, it also is a water and a vapor barrier, and it helps with load bearing distribution. So this is an excellent product to incorporate into your tile and stone installations um, without question. It's got so many functions uh, that are positive and it will allow for a very long and sustainable installation. Okay, now that you mentioned this as an uncoupling membrane, can you tell us the difference between a crack isolation membrane and the uncoupling membrane? an excellent question and it's a question that a lot of people ask. The main difference between a crack isolation membrane and an uncoupling membrane really is the composition. A crack mm -hmm. isolation membrane is a you know a flexible product um, and the flex really is the functionality of it. So it's it's typically lays flat on the floor and it's made of an elastomeric um, base. So the movement when it occurs, if you think about it like um, a rubber band, it's kind of got a similar functionality to it. So when the floor, the substrate moves, it moves with it and displaces that movement. The method is typically a roll-on or trowel-on type of application, mm -hmm. and it will provide some protection for minor in-plane movement. So 
if you have, say, a, you know, a crack in your concrete and you want it to um, not affect your tile and stone layer, it's often used just over top of the crack okay. um, rather than over a full, um, a full floor. Uncoupling membranes are a configured membrane. So they're, um, the, it's the DITRA would be a good example of this. And it's a polyethylene membrane with a polypropylene fleece. And it has that dovetail configuration. So it's fully bonded and mechanically fastened uh, to the tile um, with DINSET. Now the void cavities absorb the movement. So it allows for independent movement between the substrate and the tile and stone layer. And it provides both in-plane and out-of-plane movement protection. So it relieves all shear stresses that could come into play with, with an installation. Because if you think about your substrates, they all expand and contract at different rates. And mm -hmm. in turn, the tile or marble or stone, they all move um, at different rates depending on uh, moisture levels and changes in temperature. So you want to provide protection so that both areas can move independently. Between the two, what would you recommend that be considered in installation? We recommend uncoupling membranes because, first of all, they're a stress absorption mechanism. So once that shear stress is occurring in the floor and the membrane absorbs it, it doesn't transfer it anywhere else. So it's dealt with right there and then, and it mitigates it. With a crack isolation membrane, it's going to displace the movement, which means that there's other things that have to come into play. First of all, it's only typically used over a crack, which means that wherever the, the membrane isn't applied, um, the proper method of installation is three tiles wide, and then in, movement joints would have to be incorporated on either side of that. Oh. Um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's quite a complex installation. It's not as effective especially if you're dealing with aesthetics as well, because you're going to be placing those movement joints three tiles apart and it could interfere with patterns or the look of the floor uh, and it just doesn't function as well. The elastomeric properties over time can weaken, um, so then it loses its flex, which is really the main functionality. Okay, does uh, TTMAC or TCNA recommend these products? If so, when do we use them? Absolutely. So the TTMAC and the TCNA both reference uncoupling membranes. Um, it's, it's in a category of its own. And they meet the standards of ANSI. So 118.12 would be um, the ANSI standard for uncoupling membranes. They are used over any load-bearing substrate. So you can use them over wood construction, slab on grade, post-tension concrete. You can even use it over new concrete. Um, so if you're wanting to, say you've got a tight timeline and you're wanting to reduce the overall cure time of the concrete, you could install uh, DITRA over top of new concrete as long as you can walk over it. And you can go ahead and install the tile and stone right over top and you don't have to worry about your standard sort of 28-day cure time. Oh, really? So that's a real benefit uh, to tight timelines. But sure um, it is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you can use it outside or inside. Really, it's any, as long as it's a load-bearing substrate, it's completely fine. So we say commercial, residential applications. It's excellent overheated floors and raised access flooring. So... TTMAC does reference all of these methods and mm -hmm. uh, has details to show it. It's just all non-proprietary. 
Is there uh, any reluctance by contractors or installers to use crack isolation or uncoupling membranes? Um, I think until they have a failure, possibly because of budget. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I think once there's a failure, I think that's sort of the turning point for a lot of contractors. Oh, okay. Uh, price is always an issue, and we don't always consider uh, this to be a mandatory part of the installation. However, when there's a problem, that's generally when it gets incorporated. And then from then forward, it's normally incorporated into the uh, the whole assembly. Let's move on to profiles, end caps, transitions, and edge protections. How important are they in a tile installation? You know, it, it's one of those questions that uh, I always sort of smirk a little bit because people think of trims as a decorative element or perhaps mm. an unnecessary portion of a specification. But in fact, they have such a huge uh, level of importance because they're really and truly protecting not just the tile and stone installations, but the users in the space. They're considered non-essential when installing tile and stone, but you cannot install tile without setting materials because the tile will, well, it won't stick, it'll move. Mm-hmm. So it's a given. But if you think about trim profiles, it's always, well, I'm not sure if I really want to use that or, oh, you know, I, I don't really like the look of the metal. But it's so important to have the, the appropriate installation process and, and to protect the users and to make sure that it meets building code. So if you're transitioning from one height or another, you mm-hmm. have to ensure that you have the appropriate transition to meet accessibility requirements. That's right. Um, it, 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 so the requirement for accessibility is any transition that's over six millimeters in height difference, you mm-hmm. have to have a transition. Um, and it even has to be, you know, a, a certain ratio and a certain um, angle. So it, while it may seem like it's a nice to have, it's actually quite necessary to think about wall profiles or edge protection, it may seem also very decorative um, and non-essential, but a sharp outside edge of a tile or stone application, say something is chipped, it could it could cause some serious injury. Cove profiles, for example, mandatory and essential in commercial kitchens for maintaining a high standard of cleanliness and uh, for sanitary requirements. Same with um, copes for infection control. So they have very strict guidelines on what um, has to uh, be installed in healthcare facilities for, mm-hmm. you know, cleaning, ease of cleaning and disinfection and seamless installations to prevent the spread of infection and, and germs. So while we think about profiles maybe as non-essential, I think that they really are essential and we just have to incorporate this as part, a standard part of the specification. And on the subject of coves, when you're talking about coves, mm-hmm. how do you convince them, especially if it's a washroom or a shower application, to use a cove? It's a good question. And I, I'm not sure that it's necessarily an mm-hmm. easy sell because if somebody's really um, married to a look that they're they're wanting to achieve, then then it may not go over but certain there are certain places um with stricter building code requirements where where you have to mm-hmm. and i think after visiting a site perhaps that you've worked on and seeing how quickly dirt can accumulate in that floor and wall transition i think in the future 
you know, again, it's experience. Um, That's right. Yeah. I think you would you would want to choose something that uh, would work better so that it's easier to clean and uh, you don't have any anything building up in those corners. Oh, perfect. Okay. When when I've been selling tile, I mean, they're reluctant to use co-bases in mm-hmm. some places because the design doesn't call for it or, or aesthetically doesn't look good. I mean, uh, I was wondering how you would go about uh, convincing them to use the co-base because it's very, very important, like you okay. mentioned, dirt I accumulation. Have I have pictures. <laughs> this is what it'll look like if you don't do it. <laughs> yeah, th- yeah, that should drive the point home. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As we're okay. talking about washrooms and showers, you know, linear drains and point drains, can you tell us more about them? Because I know that you have an excellent uh, range of linear and point drains. Yeah, it's such a great topic. There's more shower drains available on the market today than than ever before and it's so incredible to see all of the different finishes and um, you know patterns and designs and even the tileable uh, versions um, it's just just incredible it's it's so much fun uh, working with the design and architectural community when they're when they're in their creation mode and coming up with the concept because there's just so many different options obviously the two types are point drains and linear drains so point drains are kind of the tra- traditional uh, drains, they're probably still the most commonly specified. Right. Um, they're in most, I think, shower applications, and they're located at the center of the shower. Mm-hmm. Um, the floor traditionally is sloped on all sides to the drain. More often than not, the drains That's are right. square, yeah. I think, because it's so much nicer and easier to cut when you're dealing with tile, which is definitely square. That's right, yeah. And then um, the way the floor is sloped, it's sloped at the required uh, 2% or quarter inch per foot slope. So in cases where you're using a point drain, typically we're gravitating to a smaller tile just because it's easier to work with the slope on the shower floor. That's right. Linear drains are long and narrow in shape. Um, They have a trough sort of underneath. And they've really become the hot kind of trend in showers. What I love about it, um, more than the look of the drain itself, is Mm. that the slope is all in one direction. So we can use this beautiful, large format tile, slope it all in one direction. You know, it's no longer about a smaller tile on the base of your floor. You can carry that beautiful look right down into the floor of your shower. So the drain can be placed with a linear drain along the wall. It can be placed in the center, um, usually only if plumbing did. Or it can be installed at the threshold of the shower. So such a beautiful looking install. I have that in my own home and I really love it. Mm-hmm. Linear drains come in lengths that start at 20 inches and go all the way up to 72. Okay. Um, so there's a lot of flexibility with um, your shower design. It uh, allows you to create um, really easily a curbless or barrier-free or accessible shower as well. So, you know, the possibilities are really endless with the design, which is really which is really exciting. And just as a side note, our most popular drain in both the point drain and the linear drain is our tileable grate. So it's almost invisible to the eye. Oh, okay. I mean, do you see linear drains being used much more widely in commercial uh, applications? 
most of the specifications that I'm seeing are, are leaning towards the linear drains. They're more expensive, mm-hmm. but um, they work really well in public spaces, recreational facilities, gang showers. Um, so they definitely are moving sort of to take the place of the point drain. And I do think if budget permits, people tend to lean that way. Oh, okay. Yeah. Now, underflow heating is so welcoming on a cold floor. It is. How does one get to heat the floors? I think probably one of the biggest deterrents to tile, which is both of our industries, mm-hmm. is the fact that it can feel quite cold on the feet. That's you right. know, it, it's, it's an uncomfortable feeling, mm-hmm. especially if it's on grade. And have you ever noticed if, if your feet are cold, your whole body gets cold. That's right. Just oh, your yes. feet, you know. So, <laughs> so luckily today we have uh, ways to keep those toes nice and toasty and warm. And in-floor heating is really the best way to do that. So, there's two main types of in-floor heating. There's electric and hydronic, and they okay. they both have their own merits. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly, electric in-floor heating integrated with an uncoupling mat, like we've discussed previously Mm -hmm. Uh, there is a version we have called Dietra heat that literally allows you to snap your heating cable into the the mat itself oh that's nice and it's a beautiful marriage because you're getting the uncoupling which is pretty much required when you do any kind of in-floor heating to prevent the tile from cracking as the temperature changes Um, so to have both combined in one it allows for a very very thin installation Mm -hmm. Um, which is really nice. It's light. It's super easy to install, um, and it pro- it protects the tile and the grout. And the other nice thing about it is the cable can be customized, so you only heat the zones that you really want to heat. Oh, perfect. Um, yeah, so there are maps available on the market, but they're sort of predetermined as to what space they, they will kind of take up, whereas this can be just easily um, incorporated into any bathroom. And the areas that you don't want to heat, you just leave those without the cable. So like under vanities or under islands, around toilets, that kind of thing. Obviously, you don't want to heat those areas mm-hmm. for various reasons. So um, you just order your cable length according to where you do want to heat. And um, it's it's considered a comfort heat as opposed to a primary heat source when you're thinking about electric heat. So typically, we'd use electric heat in our kitchen or a bathroom or, you know, anywhere that we have a tiled floor. Okay. If you're looking for more of um, overall heat um, as a primary heat source and you're thinking about in-floor heating, then I think hydronic heating is a much more uh, energy efficient way to go. So hydronic heating is simply tubes mm-hmm. um, placed in on top of a foam uh, thermal break. Um, we have okay. one called Becatech, and mm-hmm. then the uh, heating um, tubes would be placed on top of the um, modular screed uh, system. And then you would add your topper, which is how you conduct heat, basically. So in order to have heat radiate upward, you have to have a good conductor. So a thermal mass, whether it's tile or it's um, concrete or some sort of a, you know, topper, mm-hmm. um, the, this is how the heat actually um, conducts and then radiates. Oh, um, okay. Now, do you need to have an electrician on board when you're installing your, uh, your uh, heating cable? We suggest to um, have an electrician come and 
um, install a separate breaker for the in-floor heating okay. um, because you don't want that to be overloaded with anything else you may plug in. So as long as it's on its own breaker, and we just um, suggest that the uh, electrician comes and checks that the um, everything is working correctly. But not There's, during the tile installation. You don't need an electrician no, at that point. No, no. Yeah, it's before before oh, the, the okay. tile installation. So the so the tile installer himself can uh, or put those cables on the on the Detra mat. You say, you're saying. Mm-hmm. The Detra heat, yeah. Oh, perfect. So at least one labor less <laughs> when doing yeah. the installation time. Exactly, oh. exactly. And then if you had a situation where you uh, had perhaps a condo and you wanted to prevent any uh, sound transfer, there's actually now a Detra Duo, which incorporates the pucks for the heating as well as a um, an IIC sound um I'm not sure what that one. It's it prevents sound transfer, so it's oh. a it's a felt backing okay. to help with IIC sound transfer. Perfect. That's great, great information, Joanne Hans over <laughs> that you've given us today. Any other installation tips that you'd like to share with? Well, I think if you want to learn more about. Schluter mm-hmm. um, and tile and stone installations, yeah. we do have uh, what we call webinar Wednesdays. So every Wednesday we offer um, a one and a half hour webinar and okay. we follow that with a hands-on um, and it's all virtual through Zoom. Okay. We also have Schluter University on our website, which you can take any any amount of courses and a lot of them are accredited courses. Could you tell uh, us your website? What's your website? Oh, the website is www.schluter.com. Okay. People will be able to even sign in for webinars from your website? Absolutely. They can oh. register online. That's just amazing. I mean, uh, especially the, the positive side of this pandemic has been uh, the use of technology. Yes. You know, people need not travel for hundreds of miles to attend a seminar or with uh, Zoom and uh, other technologies, you are able to attend and educate yourself uh, sitting at your home. Yes, it's been a savior for sure. Uh, I will give you uh, one other uh, piece of information. If anybody has uh, commercial uh, technical information that they're looking for, um, we do have a commercial support line and we Mm -hmm. have people on the other end that are very well versed in very technical information, all commercial-based, and that number is 1-800-267-0817. Okay, if you can repeat that number again, Joanne. Mm -hmm. It's a 1-800-267-0817. Thanks, Joanne, for your time and educating my listeners on Schluter product lines. Thank you, Shavana. You're welcome, Joanne. That's it for today. This podcast is hosted and produced by me, Shimana Kalamangalam. Our show theme music is by Kevin Battleyard. If I've missed anything or if you'd like to know more, please email me at info at tiletalk.ca. Please visit my website, tiletalk.ca, for previous and latest episodes. Please subscribe to the feed on Apple Podcasts Spotify, Podbean, 
or your favorite podcast player of choice to get the latest episodes. Your questions and opinions are valuable. I look forward to your feedback and thank you for listening to Tile Talk.